2: Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're rewatching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in chronological order, overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly.
4: I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells.
2: And today we're discussing Tuck Everlasting, released June 5th, 1981. It was written by Fred A. and Frederick King Keller, based on the novel by Natalie Babbitt, directed by Frederick King Keller, and released by One Pass Media. Two days later, Larissa Olinick was born. Oh, happy birthday.
4: Clarissa? No. Close.
2: Larissa. La- Larissa Olinick.
4: I don't know who that is. Alex, Alex Mack. Mack. Oh, oh, the other Nick one. Yeah, okay, exactly. It. That's why I like said <laughs> close. In
2: 1975, author Natalie Babbitt wrote Peter Pan, I mean Tuck Everlasting, a children's fantasy story about an immortal boy and his relationship with a young mortal girl. The story received its first feature film adaptation in 1981 and a second in 2002, followed by a 2016 Broadway musical.
4: They made this into a musical? (laughs)
2: Apparently. I'm not sure if this version was ever released theatrically, but I couldn't prove that it wasn't. And it did screen for the public as a part of the 1981 U.S. Film Festival in Park City,
1: would you believe that I actually had seen this movie before?
2: Had you? Yeah. So had Jesse. That's I the only reason so. I it was on I the list. I think I had seen
4: it too. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that we watched it like on a VHS in like seventh grade when we right? were assigned this book. Probably the yeah. same
2: VHS. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they only had one and they had to pass it around from school to school. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was stolen from the Park City, Utah Film Festival. It was shot in Buffalo, New York from late summer 1980 to early spring of 1981. That's about it for production notes on this one. <laughs>
4: about all you need
2: we start on a ferris wheel at a fairgrounds a carnival barker tries to lure customers into a freak show hot air balloons are afloat overhead women walk by in feathered caps and sunday dresses and it seems we're somewhere in the 1800s though we don't get a specific year
4: i would have put it like
1: turn
2: of the century yeah
4: 19 like right about 1900s yeah
2: it's it's late 1800s is it based on winnie's span of life
4: Oh, that's smart. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yep, there was a gravestone, right? <laughs>
2: yep. A young girl sits with a ribbon-winning goat in her lap and nuzzles its ears before taking a nibble at one. <laughs> a man in a top hat hawks a miracle elixir to a crowd. Suddenly, a young man is climbing up the outside of the Ferris wheel and he waves to the people below him.
4: I do like the sort of idea that they have a snake oil salesman. Already, all, yeah. Well, it, it you know, just like the concept. I know we haven't gotten that point yet, but like the concept of like an elixir that could, you know, make you well and cure all that ails you and yeah. and and help you live forever. I mean, that's exactly what he's selling, and mm-hmm. he obviously isn't selling the real one. But there, there is one in this. Yeah, it's scenario. funny that he's doing it.
2: He's selling it like twenty minutes away from where there is one. Yeah, that he could be bottling. Yeah, an elixir vitae, as Fu Manchu would refer to it. Remember that movie, guys? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We cut Elsewhere, where Winnie Foster collects a turtle from her front yard. Through the trees, she can see the Ferris wheel and hear the music of the festival, but she's not allowed to attend.
4: I'm terribly uncomfortable with most of these scenes with her because she is wearing like all white throughout most of this movie, and I'm like, you're sitting on the grass, and you're holding a turtle. You're right. You're going to get grass stains, and you're going to get turtle poop all over yourself. That's like, true. Why are you wearing white and doing this?
2: Well, turtle poop is white, so you're fine is there. It? I have no idea.
4: <laughs> I believe it.
2: I'm not even sure they poop. People spot the boy climbing the Ferris wheel and he's now hanging from one of the gondolas. Later, we will learn that this is Jesse Tuck. Among the gathering is a man in a yellow suit who we will come to know as the man in the yellow suit.
4: <laughs> With no there's no curious George though.
2: Correct. It's just just the man. <laughs> yep. He didn't get he didn't get his hat yet.
1: And the hat is what makes him good versus evil.
2: Right. Here he has a boater hat a Van Dyke, and a cane, and he's practically twirling his mustache already. Jesse swings perilously from the still-spinning Ferris wheel. Half of his audience is impressed, and the other half are terrified. They flip a switch to slow the wheel to a stop, and Jesse is stranded at the top of the wheel. While the crowd is distracted by the scene, the tonic salesman takes a swig of his own concoction. Jesse stands on the edge of a seat and walks along the beam between the Ferris wheel gondolas. He turns and balances on his own head, with his legs in the air, but the wheel suddenly breaks loose from its lock and spins, tossing Jesse overboard. Among the crowd's shocked faces is a wooden one, presumably in the hands of a <laughs> ventriloquist that I don't recall seeing thus far, but I love that it's making a shocked face for I, this moment. I know,
4: I was watching this and I had to rewind it like three or four times. I'm like, are they trying to pretend that that was a real person? Then I realized <laughs> that it was They just didn't a-
1: have
2: <laughs> enough extras for the scene.
4: <laughs> like, oh no, it's supposed to be a guy with a puppet. I get it.
1: Do you remember the last time we had a puppet react to something it saw?
2: Uh humanoids from the deep? (laughs) (laughs) When the when the puppet noticed first that a humanoid was busting into the tent. (laughs) Jesse falls probably forty to fifty feet and lands flat on his back before the crowd. He He lays there, crumpled for a moment, until his eyes pop open and he rolls backward up onto his feet to ruckus applause. The Ferris Wheel operator chases him away where Jesse jumps onto a carousel and then ditches that for a real horse and rides it into the distance. We cut back to Winnie, who pets the turtle some more and complains that her father wouldn't take her to the fair.
0: Winnie, who are you talking to? Grandma.
2: We will learn that this is grandma's catchphrase. Winnie is bored with her repetitive life and never being allowed to leave the property on her own. Two kids wander by and tell the story of the boy who fell off the wheel and miraculously survived.
0: I bet it was 100 feet right to the ground. Golly, I bet he was a mess. No, that's the fun part. He wasn't hurt at all.
2: Winnie promises the turtle that she's gonna run away someday. Grandma calls her inside for lunch, and threatens to eat her turtle if she doesn't get a move on.
1: There's a lot of turtle consumption, threading yeah. in this movie. <laughs> and it's like, is that? I mean, I never lived obviously back in those days. I think
2: you ate everything but dogs.
1: Yeah, it's just like, is that was that a thing? Like, is like, yeah, get some turtles and we'll oh, cook yeah. them up.
4: Turtle stew, sure.
2: I mean, that was a big thing on the Ninja Turtles show. Like, for some reason, the, the crew of Channel 3, that, where April O'Neil worked, were mm-hmm. constantly talking about eating turtle soup. And it's just like, why is that such a huge thing in just your office? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's, not even, like that's not even a New York thing. That's specific to this floor of the building. <laughs> the camera drifts out to a cabin in the woods where a voice is announcing a noontime wake-up call to someone named Tuck, which is actually the surname of most of the cast of characters. The voice belongs to May Tuck, matriarch of the Tucks, and her sleeping husband is Angus, though she'll refer to him directly as Tuck for most of the film. She tells him that their sons are returning home soon, and he says that she interrupted a dream about heaven. May plans to take a horse into the woods today because she's bored and she hasn't spoken to anybody in 30 years. But the kids have only been gone for 10, so she's spoken to somebody. Yeah. Just not. Well, I think other she means people.
4: outside their family.
2: Right. Angus doesn't like the idea, but he relents. She also asks him to fix the spring in her music box, and eventually he agrees to do that, too. They make vague references to their unusually long lives, comparing a decade to the time it takes to cook up a pot of coffee. May brings her music box for the horse ride and heads out into the woods. In a thick of trees, the camera tilts down the length of a tree to a spring, sprouting bubbles from underneath.
4: I think it's weird that they make the analogy, though, that that so much time has passed because honestly yeah more than average for a person but they're not that old like this didn't mm. happen that long ago right yeah because it's been like we come to find out that the the young youngest boy is 104
2: right but, and he, he, was so 17. but they, he was
4: 17 when 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 this happened it's
2: been 80 years
4: right so it's only been 80 years which isn't even beyond the lifespan of a person
2: well for them it might be for the adults it might be yeah depending on how old they're supposed to i guess to
4: be. and at that time it is but it just like i don't know like it's not like you've lived like 10 lifetimes you've right lived, yeah. like one really one and long a half lifetime. Maybe.
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> back at the foster house winnie wanders a bit out of the yard where she is spotted by the man in the yellow suit he strikes up a conversation about the fireflies she's chasing he asks how long her family's been here and she jokes forever she asks if he wants to talk to her dad, but he's perfectly happy hitting on a child for now. Winnie accidentally releases the firefly in her hand, and the man tells her if she wants to keep anything in this world, she has to hold on tight.
0: Winifred, who are you talking to out there? It's a the man, Granny. I can see that.
2: Grandma comes out to interrupt the creepiness. The man tries to compliment her figure, but Grandma doesn't suffer no fools. <laughs>
0: How uh, delightful it is to see you looking so fit. Why shouldn't I be fit?
2: Yeah, I know I'm hot. What's your problem? (laughs) He tells them he's searching for some kind of a fortune here, and she's in the middle of telling him to fuck off when she's distracted by a far-off twinkling music in the woods. Most likely she's hearing May's music box, but she identifies the sound as fairy music and tells Winnie that the sound comes from the elves in the wood. She's concocted a whole mythology from the music, apparently on her own.
0: It's the elves you heard! Did I say that? It's the elves themselves. Now they have to gather together every so often in the woods and and then they dance maybe five times in a lifetime. You can't believe your ears. What can you believe?
2: Where did your ears hear this, Grandma? Because that sounds like a load of bullshit to me.
1: (laughs) I mean, again, building up what you were talking about, Jesse, like that it makes it seem like this family has been out there for like two three hundred years right yeah like and like creating this whole mythology of the music that carries on
4: but it's probably just grandma having heard it a couple times when she was younger yeah
2: (laughs) and not even that much younger (laughs)
1: yeah exactly like maybe like 10 15 years ago
2: yeah grandma walks winnie inside and tells her more about the magical elf orgies commencing in the woods
4: (laughs) nobody said orgies (laughs) i mean
2: orgy is just a festival a party
4: what a b- kind a Bacchanal. Par- What kind of parties do you go to?
2: Orgies. Later that night, Winnie's-
4: <laughs> Elf orgies.
1: <laughs> elf
2: orgies. What kind of parties do you go to? Lame ones? I'm going key- to Elf brought orgies. brought the Keebler
1: cookies for the Elf
2: <laughs> Oh, I thought you said key like as a key party. <laughs> you just knock on the tiny door in the tree. <laughs> so how does this work? Is this just like a glory hole? I just stand on my head out here? <laughs> later that night Winnie's mom tells grandma to stop making up shit about elves because it's just gonna drive Winnie into the woods the next day we see a young Irish girl chasing wildlife out of the foster's garden while the girl is distracted Winnie sneaks out of the house the milk carriage rolls up and drops off today's delivery while the girl flirts with the milkman Winnie creeps off into the woods right at the edge of the property she hears grandma calling for her and pauses briefly before dashing into the wilderness she follows a beaver through a row of trees and comes upon a small creek. She keeps hearing twigs snap, and eventually she hears the whistling of a young boy, Jesse, resting in a tall tree. She watches him climb down, and he finally notices her, giving a quick glance to the bubbling of the nearby spring. She introduces herself as one of the foster family who own these woods. He gifts her a feather that he found. She asks how old he is.
0: Well, I'm... I'm 104 years old. I <laughs> truly. 17. 17, that's old. Are you married?
2: No. Are you? She puts her hand in the spring and mentions how cold it feels and how thirsty she is, but Jesse warns her against it, claiming it tastes terrible.
0: I'll just take a step. Oh, that water's bad.
2: He yanks her away and lifts her completely in the air. He throws Winnie up onto his shoulders and helps her climb a nearby tree. She loves the view and invites him up. They hear May's music box approaching. It's my mom and my brother.
0: They're supposed to meet me here.
2: When they arrive, her family seems concerned to find Winnie here. Just then, someone is calling for Winnie within earshot, probably her hot-ass grandma, and we get a (laughs) shot of the man in the yellow suit listening in. May Tuck regrets risking this interaction with the townspeople, and they make a run for it, inexplicably taking Winnie with them, like they just throw her on a horse and take her away.
4: Yeah, weird choice.
1: I, I, I don't understand this decision I mean, other than to...
2: It only makes sense in the book. Okay. Which I read, and he'd already told her about the spring before they kidnapped her. Okay. Because there's no reason to kidnap her yet, because she doesn't know anything. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And also, they they added... I I read the book, and I watched the 2002 version, and in the 2002 version, they make it seem like Miles is almost a villain, like he's a dick, Mm -hmm. because he had a family and he and he's so angry about them leaving that uh, he just is really bitter and he and he does everything like by the book and he's willing to follow all the rules even if it hurts people. So he's the one who grabs her and then they go back to the the shack. Oh okay. They find their path blocked by the man in the yellow suit and he asks if they've seen a curious monkey around these parts. See, that oh, is where I'm I put sorry. the joke. No, it's okay. Yours is better. It should have gone closer to the introduction <laughs> of the character. He asks if they're kidnapping Winnie.
0: Little girl called for help, if I'm not mistaken. Jesse says it
2: was just a prank, bro, and his brother Miles claims that they are family. But this man knows the Fosters, and eventually they admit that they are the Tuck family.
4: Knows the Fosters. He literally talked to one of them for like five minutes. He knows
2: enough to know that these are not her kin.
4: It's not her grandma. He doesn't know anyone else in the house.
2: These are hill folk. (laughs) They're not fancy.
4: He makes some bold assumptions
1: here.
2: Sure. Taxi, say.
0: Interesting, I'd
2: say. I'm gonna talk like this for the whole movie, I'd say.
1: Yeah. Oh my god. i <laughs> Speaking of the one, repeating thing, yeah, drives me crazy. Yeah. Speaking of one pass productions, yeah, like it's like one pass on all his dialogue. It's like, did he say this before? I don't know.
2: Let's just have him say it again. Let's have him say the same word over and over again. He asks Winnie if she's okay and draws a gun to silence the family's interventions. Winnie goes along with the Tuck story, that they were all going on a picnic together, and she was just joking about needing help. He interrogates the family as to where they come from, and when Miles asks him to put the gun away, the man shoots him in the chest to prove that the weapon is harmless. Miles says the weapon must have misfired, and the man says he loads it with blanks, mostly to scare people away.
1: I don't understand this, either.
4: Yeah, like, okay. (laughs) I don't understand because both groups know what happened. Miles knows that he got shot by an actual bullet. Right. And the man in the yellow suit knows that he shot the man with an actual bullet.
2: Well, here's the thing, is that it was, a, it must have been a test. That's literally the only reason to do it is as a test.
4: No, I 100%, but I'm saying it's a bold assumption because right. he's like i bet that i've heard tales that there's a thing that you know lets people live forever and
2: specifically he knows that it's the tuck family so when Mm -hmm. they say they're the tucks he's confident enough that they're the tucks that he's willing to shoot one of them to prove but there's also tucks in the world that did not drink from this (laughs) spring that makes people immortal so yeah it's it's a insane risk to take to go I'm going to shoot this guy and if he's fine then I'll know for sure that the 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 spring yeah, is real and I guess and, every, if, he's not and fine. if he's not fine then I murdered a man and I go to jail right, and I I'm die. Right, but I'm rescuing
4: the girl or something. Yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. know. But I guess the the question that I have though is if he knows and they know why are we playing this game of it yeah. misfired and oh it must have been a, you know loaded with blanks.
2: Yeah. I, I think basically the point of the scene is just So that he can confirm for himself that they are the immortal Tux that he's here after. Mm -hmm. And when he says, Oh, I load it with blanks, that's so that they think that he doesn't know the secret. But like you said, Miles knows he was shot, so so he he knows it wasn't blanks.
4: That's why I don't understand why they're both playing at this game. Yeah.
1: The the only reason I can see to play at this game
2: is to not give away to Winnie what's going
1: on. Yeah, like even the man in the yellow suit, like maybe, oh,
4: Oh, he doesn't want anybody else to know the secret. Right. Because
2: if Winnie knows and her family actually own these woods, then that would be a problem. right? So then he's like, all right, I'll let you kidnap this child and then I'll trade the woods for the kid. That's the whole rest of the movie, basically. But here we go. (laughs) But after he he shoots Miles, he does look very surprised at the recovery because it's it's the first official confirmation that he got that these people are invincible. He lets them pass and the tucks escort Winnie back to their cabin. When Miles carries Winnie over a stream, she notices a hole in his shirt where the man shot him. So at this point, she should understand, wasn't Blanks, Mm -hmm. the guy shot you, Yep. you didn't get hurt for some reason. They invite Winnie to stay with them, but before she can answer, Jesse shows her a trick. He takes his horse across the river, and in the middle of the water, he stands on the saddle and then flips off into the water, disappearing under the surface for longer than a breath. But he surfaces smiling, and we get an ominous insert of the man in the yellow hat watching them leave didn't need this didn't need a reconfirming of their invincibility right here
4: Also mildly confused about how this uh invincibility works yeah because it seems like they do get hurt but then they heal very quickly
2: right yes
4: so is he drowning when he stays under this long yeah when is that painful is it not painful at
2: all i guess it's not painful
1: well like and they eat but do they need to eat
2: yeah, that I wondered about that too because maybe they don't need money because they don't need food and they could live anywhere. They finally reach the cabin and Angus looks a little worried by the new face. He helps Winnie off her horse and compliments her beauty. The boys take her down to the river and again they disappear below the surface until she worries about them but they reappear. Same gag, second time. We cut to Angus moving a pony sculpture and then loading a shotgun. May and Miles tell him about the man in the yellow suit who took a shot at him angus tells miles to figure out who the man is and what his angle might be that night the family enjoy a meal around the fireplace winnie tells the family that she wants to go home and angus agrees to get her there under one condition it is of utmost importance that winnie never tell anyone the incredible secret that he is about to share with her (laughs) for absolutely no fucking reason Mm -hmm. (laughs) almost 90 years ago they came here from the east and drank from a bubbling spring on her family's property Everyone partook of the stream except for their cat, which is the four members of the family and a horse. They moved further west, and a few years later, Jesse fell from a high tree and landed on his head. Impossibly, he stood up uninjured. Later, some hunters accidentally shot their horse, who had also drunk from the spring, and it didn't feel a thing. The bullet went right through it. In the book, the dad shoots himself in the face to test it. <laughs> or no, not the face, the heart. Oh, okay. He put, he points a shotgun at his own heart and he shoots through Which himself. Is
4: like, this is a young adult novel. That's pretty yeah. extreme. Yeah, yeah. But either way, it's like,
2: <laughs> there's other ways that we could test this than shooting yourself in the yeah. heart.
1: Even, even on Heroes, the cheerleader took like a pair of pliers and just cut off one of her toes. And then it just grew back. Yeah, just to, to test it.
2: I'm not even sure that that would happen to these people, though. It's like is that how it works do you do you have like starfish regeneration ability or do you just recover from things because if you it like you could recover from having an arm removed but the whole arm's not necessarily going to grow back right because in the book and in the 2002 adaptation they carve a big letter t into the tree that's coming out of the spring and the only reason that they noticed that the spring was there is because the tree's not growing mm-hmm. but it's like why didn't the tree heal? Why didn't yeah. the tea fall apart and the bark just mm-hmm. regenerate over the top of it?
1: And and we also will see the in a moment we'll see Angus plunge his whole hand into fire. Right, and it's not like it. Comes That's a out. much
2: easier test than shooting yourself in the
0: heart. Yeah. And Paul got bit by a copperhead. Yeah. And Jesse ate them poison mushrooms. Yeah. And I cut myself slicing bread.
2: Cool story, Mom. Dad was juggling snakes and I was overdosing on hallucinogens <laughs> while Mom made us a sandwich. <laughs>
0: I mean,
4: <laughs> this is the best case for Darwinism. Like, yeah. and none of these people should be around. Right. Well, I mean,
2: it sounds like May was from healthy stock. They were, they were just cutting themselves making sandwiches. That's fine.
1: <laughs> but, but back in the old days, they made sandwiches on their wrists, and they had to cut oh my lengthwise.
2: God. My mom used this big serrated knife uh. to cut open a bagel one time and she had it just in, pinched between her thumb and her fingers and she was cutting down and just went right into her hand right across the palm and it freaked me out it was awful bleeds a lot when you do that
1: <laughs> now it really isn't everything bagel <laughs> <laughs>
2: apparently it took years to notice for certain that none of them were aging and their friends started to accuse them of witchcraft they returned to the spring and made camp and possibly they noticed that the tree drinking from the stream hadn't grown in the years they'd been away. Did they memorize the width of this tree decades ago? How could they possibly have noticed well, that?
4: Well, I, I think that you could tell that a tree hasn't grown in twenty years, you know, that it's
2: How do you recognize it in a forest of trees? How do you notice one tree is the same age and not go, We've never been here before. I have no fucking idea where we are. Well
4: if it's if it if it's still got a little bubbling brook at the at the bottom of the, the roots i i think they'd be able to find it again
1: but does like their hair grow
2: yeah there's there's things that aren't technically that i wouldn't call aging that i feel like a tree would naturally widen because it has to with the changing of the seasons like it's not a it's not the tree aging doesn't make it wider what makes it wider is the fact that it has to become accustomed to
4: but regenerating the cells that currently exist as in not dying Versus aging are two different things because, like you know, Jesse hasn't gotten older,
2: mm-hmm. right?
4: But that does, but he still regenerates cells. So the tree hasn't gotten older; it hasn't added layers like it does every season. But
2: that's weird that it's not doing that. It's not because, aging,
4: just, so it's not adding a, a ring every well, season. It,
2: I don't think that that's what I consider. Like, if if you put a tree in a tree aquarium, what would you call that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, an, arboretum? Uh, an, arb- yeah. <laughs> an arboretum you put it in an arboretum protected from the changing of the seasons then it won't grow those rings you wouldn't be able to count those rings because the rings are indicative of the temperature and the and
4: right the environment but, but changing around it the the rings are themselves but the the tree will still grow wider without rings will it yes it will still expand it, it just won't it, have it just rings. won't have lines in it
2: okay. So why wouldn't this tree still be expanding? Because
4: it's not aging. It's not growing up. Like, the kids aren't growing up. The tree is not growing older. It is not aging.
2: You've sold me on this. (laughs) I'll take it.
1: Does it lose leaves in the winter and
2: then grow new leaves?
4: See, I would say that it shouldn't lose leaves. Mm. And so it would be weird. Or if it does, the leaves
2: would grow back immediately. So it would just be a pile of leaves around the thing.
4: Yeah, it'd be really deep. in the le- Well, no, I wouldn't think that it would lose leaves. And no,
2: it, it shouldn't. It should be basically because, an evergreen the, tree.
4: Yeah, because leaves falling off are dead. They, mm. They'd fall off because they die because yeah. of the seasons. So they shouldn't. So, so is it be, green all winter covered in snow? It's the only in green snow? deciduous tree mm-hmm. in the entire That's how they forest. should have noticed it.
2: <laughs> that's that's how they should have noticed it. Because it makes no sense that they were like, let's go through this random thick of wood. Like The chances they would even hit the same tree on their path back are impossible
4: man lord help the english teacher whose student listens to our podcast yeah
2: (laughs) but if it took them years to even notice that they were immortal it would be impossible to attribute this to a spring they drank from decades ago there's no way that they would be like you know what it was that water we drank the one time that's what did this to us It could have been a million other things. Oh, remember that sandwich we had twenty years ago? I bet it was. The cat didn't eat what?
3: No.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But we fed to the horse. (laughs) But it it doesn't make any sense that they would remember that the cat didn't drink from a stream twenty years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It doesn't make it they could have they could have passed through an anti aging portal along the way. (laughs) They could
1: have gotten brigadooned or something.
2: Or it could be the tree that's causing it and not the spring. They have no fucking idea what caused this. But somehow they've landed on, for sure it was the spring we drank from 20 years ago. Because I bet I bet randomly that's the reason that we stopped aging. is because we drank water that one day. We also drank water the day before and the day after at two different springs. <laughs> but it was that spring for sure, I bet.
4: They have a control cat at yeah. every spring they drink <laughs>
2: I mean, like and if they, they deprived the cat—if
4: <laughs> if they lives.
2: deprived the cat water at that one spring, <laughs> didn't they probably deprive it? At, maybe that's why it died. <laughs> <laughs> it Just dehydrated just the poor for, thing.
1: Depriving it of water. Maybe we're just really healthy people, and we're just like eating the perfect diet.
2: Yeah. Because <laughs> we are still eating.
1: It's those huckleberry pies.
2: <laughs> yeah, in the movie they're just, in, in the book they're also just, or uh, uh, the 2002 movie in the book, they're they're eating pancakes constantly. Like every meal is just piles of pancakes.
1: Because they also never gain weight? Yeah. Is that, is that the implication?
2: that, that... I, I guess, yeah.
4: Well, I feel like what it does is it just, like, it whatever you are right now, mm-hmm. those cells regenerate. You never gain or so lose. So you can't
2: actually lose weight either. That kind of sucks. Yeah. Like, if you were a big fat person, you couldn't be like, well, now I literally have no reason to exercise. Yeah, so. basically. To prove his powers, Pa takes Winnie's spoon and holds his hand in the fire until the spoon melts into a liquid. First of all, I don't think a simple fireplace is hot enough to melt a steel spoon into liquid.
1: Um, maybe back in those days when the metal was Fire probably... was hotter back then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was way hotter. No, but metal, <laughs> metals weren't as refined.
2: Maybe. But it, it, it's clearly just the actor holding a handful of mercury.
1: Which is also really bad. Right.
2: And then he dumps the mercury into a glass funnel, which <laughs> would certainly have exploded if this was molten steel. <laughs> but he just dumps it into glass into a little mold and then he dips his hands in water to make the water hiss because his hands are so hot. They're retaining the heat from the fire.
4: Were utensils made out of steel at the turn of the century?
2: What else would they be made out of? Tin? Silver? Silver, maybe. Maybe it is silver. That would melt in a fireplace, probably. For sure.
1: Yeah, Gallium. <laughs>
2: yeah, probably gallium,
1: <laughs> gallium fork.
2: <laughs> yeah, she was using a mercury spoon, but it was just really cold in this cabin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't stir your tea with that gallium spoon. Ah, uh, no.
2: Oh, it's going to look like the spoon in uh, Private Eyes where it's just rotted away in the drink. The funnel feeds the metal into a mold, and Pa withdraws a tiny steel horse or silver horse, like the one you might find on a carousel, but mini sized because this guy makes horses for carousels.
1: I thought it was going to be the new spring. Like it oh, yeah, made that a mold smart. for a new spring.
2: For her, for her music box. Yeah,
1: no, not the water spring, but the spring for the music box, sorry.
4: Yeah, that is confusing. And as far as
1: I can see,
3: we're all gonna
2: live forever. Jesse explains that because he was 17 when he drank, he'll be 17 until the end of the world.
0: Well, that kind of talk will make her want to rush back and drink a whole gallon of this stuff.
2: Angus points out to Winnie that if Jesse hadn't dragged her away from the water, she'd have been a little girl forever. The next day, Angus rows Winnie back down the river to her home. Along the way, he explains the danger of the spring, but honestly, this speech doesn't make any sense. Because water that makes people immortal is only a good thing, and there's no explanation around it. Angus's biggest worry is that someone will profit off of it. But I would say that one step worse than selling this miracle elixir to people is keeping it hidden forever. Letting people die all over the place.
1: There's a larger ethical debate here.
2: There's not. (laughs) <laughs> Water that makes you immortal is a good thing. It's literally only a good thing.
1: What about the overpopulation? Fuck it. <laughs> Doesn't matter.
2: Nobody needs food.
1: Yeah, but you can't just keep. Like, you can. In, 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 yes, you can. <laughs> increasing the population. Yeah, you can.
2: Just start building cities on other planets you can do that now you could just drop a million people on Mars and they'll get to work right away because they don't true. even need to breathe
4: <laughs> they don't need to breathe oh my God
1: Patrick they I can don't... live
4: in the ocean how much of the world is we're yeah. not using because it's underwater totally
2: take it back you're yeah right. you're right they just put on their gallium shoes and march into the ocean <laughs> we see the man in the yellow suit on horseback charging through a field away from the tuck cabin. It's their horse, their immortal horse that he's riding. Winnie says that people wouldn't have to die or be sick, and Angus corrects her.
0: No, no, Winnie. Only those people who could afford
2: it. So I guess suggesting that it is better to help nobody than to help some people. Like, I get it, rich people are bad. But <laughs> still, it's like, hey, there's like kids dying of cancer, we could like sneak them a bottle mm-hmm. of this stuff, and then they would be fine. And their parents would much rather have them kids forever than dead.
4: Yeah, but then we're going to run into some real creepy, like, interview with a vampire shit with these kids that are, like, actually 104, but they look 5. It's going to be real creepy.
2: It's less creepy than dead.
4: I don't don't know.
2: (laughs) Angus says the temptation to be rich is too powerful, but once you're immortal, does money matter anymore? Like oh, I'm going to sit here and sell this water all day. It's like, no, I will take one sip and then I will walk off and do whatever the fuck I want because I don't need food anymore and I don't need a house anymore. I literally don't need anything. I could just do whatever I want all day. He doesn't seem to be getting through to her and he's almost in tears trying to explain. I worried for a second that he was going to push her overboard to keep their (laughs) secret safe. I just got to make you understand. I just got to make you understand.
1: (laughs) Hold on to this cinder block for a minute.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Miles appears on the shore and shouts to them that Ginger the horse is missing. May is out looking for the horse, but the family basically deduces that the man in the yellow suit must have stolen the immortal horse. Everyone is very distraught about it when we get a bizarre sound effect that the boys seem to recognize as indicating that Ma is home. Spaceship sound. Yeah. (laughs) Which I was sure marked the arrival of space aliens, but Jesse says that Ma has uncorked the bender or something like that (laughs) which apparently means that they can use an enormous autoplaying calliope now ma rushes downstairs to dance with miles while jesse dances with winnie and they're all celebrating even though a second ago they were distraught that their horse was stolen Mm -hmm. now it's a party we cut to the man in the yellow suit meeting with the fosters he tells them that he knows where winnie has been taken and he offers to share with them her location in exchange for the deed to the woods for some reason the family don't go directly to the law To report this man for holding their daughter hostage mr foster is very reluctant to do business with the man but agrees to draw up the papers when he fails to consider any alternative action like say looking for his daughter himself or having this man arrested as an accomplice in her kidnapping that night ma explains to winnie that they've been in this cabin for 20 years but they can't stay anywhere forever because the town's always sour on them they tell her they'll take her home tomorrow just like they told her yesterday And it's off to bed with her. So
1: she hasn't been home now in days, right? And
2: I thought that was the whole point of Pa taking her on that boat ride for Mm -hmm. hours yesterday while he tried to explain, no, 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 it's funny when people die. I want it to keep happening. Don't help anyone.
1: But they're not that far away, are they? No. No.
2: Jesse surprises Winnie in her bunk and suggests that maybe drinking from the spring isn't such a bad idea after all. Think about it. You'd never get sick age or die, you could just go around helping people and volunteering for dangerous tasks. You know, all the obvious benefits of immortality with literally no downside. He advises her to take a sip from the spring when she turns 17. Winnie says that she'll need time to think about it because she's dumb. The next morning, the man in the yellow suit leads the constable to the tuck house. The constable asks for a break because his horse can't keep up with an immortal one. We've mentioned it a few times a tragedy that befell the Sullivan family, like offhand they talk about the yeah, sullivans yeah. where a guy killed his wife and i don't know what that's for because it doesn't pay off in the story
1: right and and they use it as a as a hiding place later it's like oh no one goes there because of the guy who killed. that's why the guy
2: killed his wife yeah and it's like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense that we just keep talking about this but uh the constable spells it out as much as we'll hear in this moment
3: why well, we haven't had this much excitement since sullivan killed
2: his wife Back at the tuck cabin, Winnie wakes in the night to a checkup from May. At first, she thinks it's Jesse and calls to him, and May picks on her for crushing on her elderly son. <laughs> in the morning, Winnie walks out through the snow. Inside the cabin, they gather for breakfast. The man in the yellow suit interrupts their meal. He tells them a long dumb story about his grandmother's tales of an immortal family. He has a speech impediment which forces him to repeat certain words.
0: Bridges and bridges, young fella. but well, I'll be short and short restless and restless over and over again better and better close and close neat and neat very rich and rich better and better
2: he picks up a music box and says his grandma taught him the song of the immortals and he memorized it this is the source of that music Sudi starts waving a gun around and recounting the full plot of the film we just watched he tells the family that he bought these woods because he believes that the tucks here are that very same immortal family and Ma stupidly gives up the source of their longevity.
0: You mean you're going to sell the water?
2: Shut up, lady. He didn't know about the water. He just knew there were old people here. I
4: don't even know why why he thinks it's associated with the woods itself at all. Yeah. yeah. And I also don't know why the tux ever came back here.
2: I don't either. Mm -hmm. Because
4: they could go anywhere. It's not like they have to keep drinking from the spring, right? right?
2: Correct. They don't have to do it. And there's also literally no way they could ever figure out what caused this.
3: Mm
4: -hmm. But, like, they could just go and never come back and just live their lives forever somewhere else and just every few years move on so people don't know.
2: Right. It would be that easy. The other thing that's even crazier in the book, the book is actually worse than this version of the movie. This movie improves on some of the problems in the book. Because in the book... He literally found out from his grandmother at an insane asylum because a crazy lady told his grandmother this story. So a crazy person told his grandmother that there were immortal people in the woods and he was like, I'm going to go find them. I bet they're real. No, that was a crazy person. You're in an asylum. Yeah. There's no reason you would believe this story when someone told it to you, let alone seek the people out. That's like if I spent all of my days trying to find Peter Pan. I know it's a story. The end. Like, I don't need to go do that.
4: Well, you're never going to find him now, are you? No,
2: I'm not. Neither (laughs) is anybody else. (laughs)
1: I'll see to that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Richard died the next spring of gallium poisoning. (laughs) And
1: his shadow still running around.
2: What? (laughs) Now that Sudi owns the spring, he doesn't need the tux for anything. But he still pretends like he'll require their cooperation well, to sell this well, what's water. What's he
4: gonna do? Kill him? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, why not? Why, like, why? Why is he talking to them at all right now? Yeah. Well, I he, own the spring. Go away.
1: Well, he doesn't know where it is.
2: But it's in the. It's in these woods. Yeah. Just walk around for a while and drink water until you <laughs> find it. That's how they did it.
1: <laughs> literally just
2: wander around and drink water until you're immortal
1: <laughs> but you'd have to like shoot keep, yourself
4: every keep day. fire keep testing <laughs> to dip it. your then, hand like, in but then like if you keep testing it like if you've not fully healed before you test the next one, are you uh, gonna have a, like a permanent like gunshot wound? Oh, that's true.
2: Yeah, because if you like cut off a finger and it was the wrong one, then you're like, fuck, that finger's not coming back. Like save state doesn't start until <laughs> yeah. you drink the right water.
1: You just end up looking like Zaz from DC, and there's just this, <laughs> I don't all these is. scars all over him. <laughs> Zaz gives himself a cuts cuts on himself every time he kills somebody, so he's uh, covered in scars. I think Killmonger does the same thing in the Marvel universe.
2: Yeah, I think so. For some reason, Sooty offers to split his winnings with these people in exchange for theatrics where he can shoot or hang them in public to prove the water's effectiveness. When they refuse, he finally realizes that he doesn't need their help, and he tells them to hand over Winnie, and they say no, so he puts a gun in her face. Let's pause for a second. If what you're here after is the girl, why would you kill her?
4: Because he has no leverage against them. Mm. He can't kill them.
2: But he doesn't get any more leverage if he kills her. In fact, he loses all leverage if he kills her.
4: Well, but if she dies in his saving her, you know. Does he still get fine. the woods? <laughs>
2: I don't know. I feel like I would, I would tear up that contract if he was like, your daughter for the trees? I didn't say she'd be alive. Here's her corpse. <laughs> I shot her in the face.
1: <laughs> Should have gotten a better lawyer. Yeah.
2: Yeah. For some reason the tucks don't call his bluff and they hand her right over.
1: Well, but it ends up not being a bluff.
2: Right, that's the other crazy part, is this character's motivation makes no sense at all. This whole plan would have been foiled if Jesse had convinced her to try the water before now also. It's just like, go ahead, shoot her in the face. <laughs> it just doesn't do anything. It's like, haha, she drank the water. You lose. Good day, sir. Now we kill you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they do.
1: Better do as he says,
0: Winnie. But I don't it's go- all right, do as he says.
2: He drags Winnie out of the room at gunpoint. On the way out, he realizes that he could make Winnie drink the water and then use her to prove its effectiveness. But why does he need anyone for that? Can't he just drink the water himself and hang himself or shoot himself or whatever he's going to do? Literally just like Houdini, like walk up on stage and say, do whatever you want to me and I'll be fine. And and if you drink this, you'll you'll be just as fine as I am but he for some reason needs someone else to be the the guinea pig to survive i guess
4: if he doesn't know which spring it is you know why not shoot a couple of little girls on the oh, way to finding true. the right one
2: that's a good way to test it you bring her around and just nip off a joint at each spring until you find the right one and that's also encouragement for her to to point him to the right spring mm-hmm. it's like yeah. i'm running out of fingers maybe maybe we should go that way <laughs> this little piggy went to the market
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh jesus it's got so dark
2: the tucks follow the man out of the house and angus points a rifle at him inexplicably the man throws winnie to the ground points his gun at her and pulls the trigger what a (laughs) terrible plan if you kill this girl you are immediately dead and if the gun jams you are also immediately dead the only survival here would be to release her and leave of course the gun jams and angus blasts the man off his feet and down the hill In the book and in the 2002 film, May hits him in the back of the head with a shovel while he still has the gun to her head, which makes it even more obvious Mm -hmm. self-defense than it already was. But that's not what happens in this version of the story. For some reason, Angus shoots the unarmed man (laughs) down a hill when they could have just tackled him and sent him on his way. Unfortunately for the family, the constable shows up just in time to see Sudi get shot down, but he doesn't buy their story,
4: well, but he walks up on them saying, he almost did it. Right. And and the constable's like, he almost did what? And you're like, shoot the little girl yeah. in the face. He had a gun
2: pointed <laughs> to my head. Look in his hand, there's a gun. He was pointing it at my face, and then that guy saved my life. So put him on the front page of the paper, he saved my life, and let's get on with our days. Winnie steps outside to corroborate the Tuck testimony that she was never kidnapped. And that these people saved her life, and the constable says that if Winnie agrees to return to her family, he won't charge Angus with murder. And so she does, but Angus also didn't kill anyone, and she could very easily mention here that the injured man tried to murder her five seconds ago, but somehow that never comes up. Angus and the boys put Sooty in their wagon and take him to a doctor, and we cut back to the foster house where Winnie wastes her days on a swing. We hear voiceover from her grandma and father worrying about her silence. Her family brings up that if the man dies, they get their woods back, and Winnie prays out loud for the man to die.
4: I don't think that's how title gets passed, but, you know, whatevs.
2: Maybe they're his children. I don't know. (laughs) People are weird ages in this.
1: Well, I mean, uh, the documents weren't notarized. Mm.
2: Maybe. The Tree Gap dairy milk carriage arrives the next day, and the milkman talks to the housekeeper about the hospitalized man. Apparently he died in the night. It sounds like Angus is due for a hanging because Winnie thought it would be funny not to tell anyone that he actually saved her life. Who cares, though? He's invincible. As the milk carriage leaves, Jesse hops out of the back, and he and Winnie rush off to the bushes together. Winnie tells him that Sooty died, and Jesse announces their plans to break Angus out of prison. Winnie says that she can testify that Angus was acting in her defense, but Jesse cleverly points out that in order to tell the truth, she'd have to tell the whole truth, and she would have to tell the entire court about the magical immortalizing spring, Because it would be impossible to leave that out of the story and for the story to make sense. No, just leave that out. You don't have to tell everybody about (laughs) that. Usually the whole truth means the whole relevant truth. The jury doesn't care what you had for breakfast the day of the murder, just how it happened.
4: Well, the spring is kind of relevant to why this all happened, but it doesn't have to be.
2: Right. I mean, basically, if you just make it say he wanted these woods and so he's holding me hostage so that he could give me back to my parents Mm -hmm. and pretend that they had kidnapped me so that he would get the woods for free
1: and this family rescued me
2: yeah and that's all true jesse and miles will break angus out but they need a six-hour head start to escape town and jesse enlists winnie to help jesse gifts her a small bottle of the spring water and advises her to drink some when she turns 17 because he doesn't want her to be like legal but he wants (laughs) her to be slightly older so that it's more appropriate
4: Yeah, but the fact that he's crushing already on, like, this 12-year-old is pretty creepy. Yeah.
2: Her mother calls her inside, and Jesse disappears back into the woods. That night, at exactly midnight, Winnie unlocks her bedroom window, and suddenly Jesse hangs upside down from above the window in a cape, completing his vampire transformation. He enters the room despite not being explicitly invited. (laughs) They climb together out the window like Peter and Wendy, ageless boy and insufferable shut-in. Peter jumps with Winnie on his back and then breaks his ankle on the ground, but in a few seconds it's healed. So it is like Wolverine style invincibility. Jesse makes a torch out of an ear of corn. I've never heard of this. Isn't that how popcorn is made also? Don't
4: don't look at me like I'm the corn burning expert.
2: (laughs) You gotta soak the corn in
1: kerosene first. Oh,
2: okay. That's how you do it.
1: It's called brining. No, it's not. What? (laughs)
2: We see the two wandering across the roof of a jailhouse, and nearby they meet up with Miles and May. Miles has loosened the bars of the cell, and they will now set off fireworks as a distraction. Why do you need a distraction? It's the middle of the night. No one's paying attention. You will already loosen the bars. During the commotion, they are instructed to yank the bars off the cell. Miles tosses one of the fireworks into his father's cell and sets the rest off behind the jail. The constable is shocked awake and rushes to investigate. Miles continues firing his Roman candles at the jail windows, shouting out threats about his intentions to break someone out of jail, and daring the constable to shoot back at him. Jesse is having trouble yanking the bars out. The constable steps outside with his gun and finds a crowd who claim to be here for the fireworks show. One of them delivers my favorite line read from the movie. It's an ADR line, so it's probably being read directly off the page, so there's no reason for the actor to pause mid-delivery, and yet he does. Somebody's
3: been
1: shooting out Roman candles.
2: when he realizes they aren't a lynch party he rushes back inside to check on his prisoner he calls out to the shadow in the cell and angus answers to complain about the fireworks
3: how'd you know they was firecrackers
2: because one of them came sailing through the window want to
0: see oh no
3: siree bob
2: is that the only reason they threw a firework into the cell so that he could explain how he knew they were fireworks and not gunshots
1: i don't understand why winnie needs to
2: be here at all
1: so that there's a movement in the cell. But it sounds like Angus is still in the cell. He,
2: no, he's, he's not. He's, he's, he's talking, he's talking, talking through the window. the window. Oh, okay. But
4: in theory, he's, standing outside, you, Richard. A, he's standing outside a jail cell window <laughs> with a whole bunch of people in their underwear out there, too. Like, yeah. why are they not seeing some dude shouting to the window?
2: <laughs> After the constable leaves, the shadow in the cell leans forward into the light, and it's Winnie. Apparently, they were able to work the bars off the cell, but Angus stood by in case they'd need to speak to the constable through the window. The plan from here on is that Winnie will wait in the cell in Angus's place until morning and hopefully she won't be hung as a shapeshifter.
1: But again, that's what I'm saying. Like, they get the bars off. they So she's in the cell for movement. But then why didn't she just leave? Cause leave the constable. When?
4: So I think... The whole they, point is to they take six to, hours. They wanted six hours where the constable thought he was in the bed. All right.
1: So he, the constable says, like, I got to go fix that window. Stop making noise everyone leaves the cell the constable doesn't come back till the next morning maybe or maybe he comes back and checks that there's somebody breathing in that bed but he won't go in because he's afraid that someone will happen so he doesn't even bring a light with him i I suppose you could just stuff the stuff
4: the the, the
2: whole point is that there's supposed to be someone moving in the bed all night and in the book she doesn't even go to sleep she's awake the whole time and she keeps her legs under the blankets but in the book she's doubling for ma because ma is the one they're breaking out of jail Mm. because she hit the guy in the back of the head with a shotgun in self-defense she doesn't even shoot him she hits him with the butt of the gun while he has a gun to a little girl's head and they're going to give her the death penalty for that yeah which would never happen yeah as they leave jesse reminds winnie that he'll be back to see her when she turns 17 because he's a groomer creep (laughs) in the morning the constable finds winnie in the cell and we cut right to her dad walking her home he demands an explanation for this behavior and she admits that she loves the tucks. Some boys notice them walking home and we cut to her playing marble with the kids later. She's finally made some friends her own age. Marble? Yeah, They just
1: had one.
4: <laughs> There's only one. Yeah,
2: I think they're just playing marble. <laughs> that evening, a boy comes to the house offering to sell turtles and Grandma thinks they make a great soup. Do you guys recall the last time we discussed eating turtles?
3: Uh, uh, earlier, like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Other than on this episode?
2: <laughs> Someone gets a serving bowl for turtle soup. Oh. For turtle meat, specifically.
1: Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What had a was
2: bridal it? shower.
1: I don't.
2: Annette O'Toole unwrapped it.
1: Yeah, I-, I can picture everything about that situation.
2: Cloris Leachman had to explain what it was.
1: It wasn't coast to coast, was it?
2: No, she's not. Fooling around? Fooling around.
4: Oh. Wow, yes. that pulled that title out of nowhere.
2: Yeah, it's not relevant to the film at all. <laughs> Winnie recognizes the pet turtle that she released into the wilderness as one of the ones that the boy is selling, and he relents and gives her the turtle for free as a pet. Later we see her walking with the turtle and talking over her plans for the bottle of spring water.
0: Winifred? Is that you out there? Who are you talking to?
2: Grandma threatens again to make soup of her friend, so she dumps the whole bottle of spring water on his head to keep the turtle safe in perpetuity. It doesn't look like he's drinking it exactly. I also don't understand quite how this works. She tosses the turtle into the woods and heads home, and then we cut 100 years into the future. The camera tilts down from the sky. It's not 100 years. I guess it's like, I don't know, 80 years or something like that. No, she she was 10, and then so we cut maybe 70-something years Well, into the
1: well she she will have died in 76, but we, it, it, it's, so it's at least it, after that.
4: In theory, it's present day, so right. 81.
2: Yeah, so maybe it is 100 years. The camera tilts down from the sky to a country road. A Chevy truck drives down the road with all the tucks loaded into the bed. They stop in to a diner for breakfast and May orders a strawberry phosphate. The waitress is quick to confirm that they have a strawberry phosphate despite not knowing what one is.
0: <laughs> sure. Joey, you got the makings of a strawberry phosphate? Whatever that is.
2: It's just strawberry soda. They ask about the Foster family and it sounds like the spring was bulldozed over but the Fosters have gone from town ever since their son was elected to Congress. I guess, probably her grandson. Winnie's grandson. They head to a local cemetery and locate the headstone of Winnie Foster Jackson, who died at the age of 82, a wife and a mother. The landscape has changed so much that they can't even locate where the spring might have been. The immortal family visit the local fairgrounds, where Jesse is still working the carousel just as he did in centuries of old. His parents fear that he will be devastated by the news of Winnie's death, but he obviously hasn't visited in a century, yeah. so he doesn't yeah. give a shit about her. I
4: was just going to say that. I'm like, you you were like, uh, I'll, you know, like- I'll come drink, back
2: as soon as it's safe. Yeah,
4: like, drink this in, like, a couple years so that we can be together, and then he doesn't show up for a hundred? What yeah. a dick.
2: Yeah. that's <laughs> a, That's really awful. Besides, he's already grooming a new 10-year-old girl at the fair- Mm-hmm. when she tells him her name is Catherine, he looks very distraught despite nobody being named Catherine in this whole stupid movie.
1: Well, it was the way she said her name. Cause, cause Winnie said, introduced herself as Winnie and then Winifred. And this girl introduces herself Kathy, as Catherine. Kathy, Catherine.
2: Why couldn't her name have been Winifred? <laughs> Why did her name have to be Kathy as in Catherine, which is short for Catherine. Oh my God. A hundred years ago, someone told me their nickname first. Isn't that what everybody does?
1: Well, and I think it would have been, had more of an impact if she said her name was Catherine Foster.
2: Oh, sure, yeah. Like she She's is a, literally a descendant.
1: A, yeah. I mean, it would also have been just as creepy. And it would have been more the exact
2: creepy. scene from Ugh. Peter Pan. Yeah,
1: exactly. I was going to say, it's, like, it's <laughs> just like Peter Pan. And in...
2: The tuck truck is loaded up with Angus's hand-carved wooden horses, but they suppose the fair is making use of plastic ones by now. May cranks up the music box again, and they're about to hit the road when Angus notices a turtle in the street. He sets it down across the road to keep it safe.
3: Darn full thing thinks it's going to live forever.
2: If I wrote this story, I would have picked an animal that doesn't famously live hundreds of years.
4: (laughs) Is it a turtle in the book? It's not. It's
2: It's a a frog in the book. (laughs) Why is it a turtle in the movie? First of all, frogs drink through their skin. So it makes sense to dump the water over the frog because that's how they drink. Turtles don't and they live hundreds of years this is the weirdest choice that they've made in this whole movie credits roll over the turtle back in the road in another futile attempted suicide it's like why did you move me i'm just trying to die
1: also reading uh some notes about this film uh it says that in the credits there's a dead rabbit in the road and after the credits the rabbit gets up and walks out and hops back off into the woods i was like what, what? <laughs> so i rewatched the whole credit sequence again it's like there's no roadkill rabbits that's a that's a mistake that's weird yeah
2: just someone fell asleep watching the movie which i don't blame them for <laughs> <laughs> and they just imagined this scene on the end um this movie doesn't make any sense the story is awful the book is awful I, I listened to the book, the audio book, today, yeah. yesterday and today, and it's it has all the same plot holes that this does. Some of them are worse, and it just doesn't make any sense. An, another note is that we do get very vague mentions of Miles' family in this film. They say he had a wife and they say he had two kids right. who went away, I think is all they say in the movie.
1: Yeah, because they, they, they suspected him. him. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. In the book, he has a wife and he has two kids. And they decided not to tell them about the spring so that they could live together as husband and wife forever because she was already 40 by the time they figured out that it was from the spring water. And 40 is like, you might as well be a hundred. Like that's gross. Just go die. <laughs> 40 year old. Oh my God. And so they literally just didn't tell her cause they didn't want people to know. But then Winnie wanders in and they're like, guess what? Spring water makes us live forever. Just a random lady off the street. But the guy wouldn't tell the love of his life how to live forever and be children. with him. Or his children. Mm-hmm. And but and the wait. explanation is like, well, she was 40 already, so it was a little late to tell her about the spring water. Plus, the kids were just kids. And it's like, yeah, they're not going to be kids forever. They're still growing.
4: Mm-hmm. Right. You could still wait for the kids to get older, and right. then they drink it.
2: Now, yeah. in, in the 2002 film, Miles's wife, when they eventually tell her the story, this part makes sense to me, she... Thinks that they're crazy, or that obviously they they're not aging and she is. She thinks that he's traded his soul to the devil, so she takes the kids and leaves. Right, right, right. Which makes so much more sense than what they went with here. And also in in the book,
4: I think that is what happened here, though. She left them because he's. They say witchcraft in in this movie.
2: Oh, okay. Well, they don't say witchcraft in the book. They just say why why would we let her in on this? That's weird. Oh. And in the 1981 film, or sorry, in the in the 2002 film. Uh, he says that his oldest daughter is dead, that she died a child, and that his son, it would be about 80 now. In the book, the kids both live to their 80s. But for some reason, in the 2002 movie, one of them died as a child. Which just underlines again my point, if you'd been with them, and your daughter was dying of some terrible disease. Mm-hmm. You could have given her the water, but she would have healed, and she would have been would alive.
4: Would she heal, or would she, be or would she, in she just perpetual have cholera state for the rest of life? Dying. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I still think I'd rather have cholera forever than die from it.
4: <laughs> just, so just, typhoid Mary. She just yeah, goes around yeah.
1: giving cholera. To or, or she got she got hit by a, like got kicked in the head by a horse, and she's like all like yeah like permanently brain damage here drink this water and be this way forever yeah yeah
2: <laughs> it's late it's late for a safe state but oh well <laughs> you know still better than dead
4: yeah i um i remember reading the book when i was a kid and not noticing all these problems and yeah. and 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 being i was like yeah yeah it took everlasting yeah that's great that no not so much
2: it sold five million copies before it was optioned to make this film, that so that's between seventy-five when it was published and eighty when they started production, which is a million copies a year because they taught it in schools, mm-hmm. and it's a short story, you know, and it's got kids as main characters. It's an easy sell for teachers, and also it's basically the same story as Peter Pan or like later Twilight. Like all you have to do is make a story about the invincible boy meets. The girl who's not invincible and right. he tries to convince her to join him and it's it's an age old story and it's always going to sell a bunch of copies every yeah. time it gets rewritten. So I'm going to start rewriting that right now. <laughs> I won't be able to sell it for probably another 20 years or so. Um, but okay. then it'll be in every classroom.
1: Going to call it The Eternals.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. That's basically similar. But um, yeah, it's, it's not a good book and as a result, it's not a good movie. Well,
4: and- your synopsis though we interrupted quite a bit was fairly short this movie's two hours long
2: it is two hours long
4: weirdly long long. like there's so many just like we're just gonna slowly pan across some nature every
2: scene ends with the score coming back in and the camera panning off to the left or the right and just very slow wilderness shots that's it
4: and one character that just repeats himself constantly Yeah. (laughs) right
2: yeah and how anticlimactic is that? Like this villain, he's going to kidnap the girl and he's going to steal the woods and we shot him in the head and he's done. End of story. <laughs> like what What a non-threat. This whole family's invincible. Who cares what you're like? What are you going to do to them? There's li- and then we're all worried about this person who's not going to get hung tomorrow. Just let them hang the person. Pretend to be dead until they bury you. Right. The family digs him up, takes him away. Leave by cover of night. Everyone thinks you're dead. No one's even looking for you at that
1: point. Yeah, that's true. You know what? You know what would have saved all of this if, when Miles got shot, he went, "Ah, oh God, I've been shot!" Yeah, oh, and then the top family pretend found, to like, be we're, dead. We're, you shot my son. Oh God, you shot and him and he just takes off. So, yeah. <laughs> and then, they just beat and then, the then hell shoot out him. Yeah,
2: and then shoot him and say he shot my son while we were walking with this girl.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, problem solved. <laughs> Instead, also <laughs>
2: bottle this water and give it to everybody in town <laughs> because people deserve to live forever and that's happy and wonderful. No yeah. one wants to age another year.
4: How about this? How about you just sneak it into everybody's stuff?
2: That's what I was thinking. And
4: like, don't tell anyone where it's coming from. And then, yeah. like, you're no longer unique in this world, so you mm-hmm. don't have to hide anymore because yeah. you were affected you just do. like everybody else.
2: You open up a bar in town, right? Ooh. Because then you have to be 21 to drink this stuff. So you're not <laughs> f- freezing people as children. They're adults who don't want to age past 21.
1: Well, are you not 21 back in those days,
2: right? What do you mean? There's like probably seven no or eight laws. was drinking <laughs> Yeah.
1: I mean, <laughs> weren't they drinking in uh, the uh, happy birthday to me or what was it? Graduation. What was that college one where they kept going to this bar and getting kicked out? Yeah, of the happy party? birthday, birthday to,
2: me. to me. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah. What, it, th- this didn't happen in that year though richard <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah this is the 1800s where you would give your baby a little bit of alcohol if it was thirsty <laughs> 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 not even not even upset just thirsty oh you're thirsty here you go top you off um yeah there there's so many different things that they could have done that they didn't do uh i guess you just have to end the story very quickly It seems like it was written over a weekend.
1: (laughs) What what if, what if you ate an animal who had drank the water?
2: I don't think you can.
1: Okay. Oh, that's right. You wouldn't be able to kill it.
2: You you couldn't even chew on it. You would just have it in your mouth for a while, and then you'd spit it out.
1: (gasps) Perpetual gum.
2: Oh my God! We finally invented (laughs) perpetual gum. Wait, what animal (laughs) would represent gum though? That's what I want to (laughs) know.
4: Oh, I'm just saying, it's something I could chew on forever.
2: Yeah, but A what hunk of meat that I what cut the What horse? would the meat be? <laughs> you can't cut it out of the animal because the animal's impenetrable now. What would the meat it, true? Would, it would have to be I the, the whole the water. whole life form would have to be in your mouth. Do
1: they poop?
4: <laughs> this is the important question. Do the tucks poop? Yeah, Yeah, they poop. But do they eat?
2: Yeah, they eat food.
4: Oh, I guess they do eat food. We watched them eat. They do food. eat.
2: Um if they didn't does shit, their, they would their, just be getting bigger and bigger. Does,
1: does the poop that contain organic material from their body, like cells and things, dead parts of the insides of their body? No, it's just the food just and the food. bacteria that was and in bacteria. their body. Okay, yeah, yeah. So the bacteria is not immortal. No,
2: not unless it drank the water.
1: <laughs> because they
2: it, well, you it have gut bacteria, so if yeah, they drink the water. But the, the bacteria gut bacteria doesn't have to die to be passed out of your digestive system.
1: It, it
4: it lives forever in that poop. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: yeah. What,
1: that, that that's what I am saying. And then you consume the. Poop. But I I think I think <laughs> who is consuming the poop? <laughs> well, hear me <laughs> out. If you hit, eat the bacteria that contains the water,
4: the the bacteria still it's just the thing that's alive in you forever.
1: But then it doesn't it would repl- make you alive. It would replace your gut bacteria. Yeah, uh, yeah but think, then I, I just think have the problem is
2: that you are thinking that the that this is a contagious thing. Where if you consume something that was invincible, that you will become invincible. No, it's just the water. If okay. the water leaves through your urinary tract, then you'd have to drink the person's piss. You can't eat their shit.
1: Okay, that's fair.
2: If we're going to eat human waste on this podcast, <laughs> if we're going to advocate that, let's be smart about it.
1: What about the children?
2: Genetics. Which children?
1: The genetics of passing down. Because No, because had- he, he had
4: kids and they were they would age.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah, they need to consume it themselves to in, to get the. It's not an inherited trait.
1: But the sperm would have been
2: immortal. But the sperm isn't water. No, sperm but, but, is thicker than water.
1: But the sperm is a cell. The immortal sperm cell that fertilizes an egg would then.
2: It's half immortal.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like like well, the, I, the it, sperm the sperm is
2: not a, a living organism though.
1: No, but it's an immortal cell that's now combining with an mortal cell, and now
2: is sperm a cell? I think it it's is, just it's, a DNA delivery it's system. Ha-
4: it's ha- like half of a cell. It's it's half of the information mm. required
1: to create a cell.
2: And maybe mortality is the dominant gene.
1: Okay. These are I I know I'm, I know it seems like I'm being stupid and silly. No no no, we I, have
2: to talk this yeah, out. Yeah,
1: I have genuine questions about how this works. We
2: got another forty five <laughs> minutes in this conversation. <laughs> So anyway, so we've decided, drink piss, don't eat shit.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so this spring, even if it was bulldozed over, right, there's still a spring there in the water. Like, there's still water underground that you could dig to. Right, right, But here's right. a question. Okay.
4: If you bulldoze over a tree that can't die, what happens with that Whoa, tree?
2: <laughs> that would have been really weird for them, right?
4: <gasps> right, this tree. Can you not cut the tree? No, you can cut the tree. It just lives forever. No, you,
2: I don't know. So
4: the chunks of wood are still alive somewhere. Is there I I don't think you can
2: cut it up. Piece That's of why furniture
4: now that made out in, of that. Tree? In this
2: movie, there is no T carved in the tree. Okay. So in the canon of this film, I don't think you can even scratch the immortal tree. But in the in the 2002 film and in the book, they carved a T into it to indicate we were here. I don't know why we picked this one tree in particular as we were moving through the yeah, woods. Yeah, but
4: I'm more of a mind that you probably couldn't be able to do that. But you could remove the tree entirely from the soil. Okay.
2: But you're right. It would not die. But it would and not And they die. would be like, what is up with this tree? We bulldozed it over and we can't, the chainsaws won't break through it and it's still alive. Right. And it not even a leaf fell every off time of I it.
4: Tried it. Yeah, and it's covered in leaves and it's still alive. Mm-hmm.
2: There would be a fucking museum there. Yeah in the 2002 film they didn't bulldoze over the tree but they buried her at the foot of the tree so when he goes to the clearing to find the spring her headstone is right there at the base of the tree and it's like is she a fucking zombie now? Oh, no. <laughs> should, she shouldn't trapped you dig the there? box up yeah. and make sure she's okay? Maybe she's waiting for you down there Ugh. but he just sits there and cries at the grave and then he leaves and she's like
4: I'm down they here He should have left asshole. those like little bells with the yeah. string yeah. on it above just her grave just frantically
2: ringing as he's walking away <laughs> oh god oh i can even hear my mother's music box no 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 it's the bell it's the bell come get me how long is it
1: gonna take me to dig myself out of here
2: right
4: oh and then he does dig her up but she's like old
1: why did i ask for an oak coffin this is gonna last forever oh
2: and we didn't mention so did you stay through the credits or no i did and you stayed through the credits no so the post-credit scene (laughs) i thought was actually pretty cool
4: there's a post-credit scene
2: yeah because it's after humanity so it's like a desert planet and the tucks are walking along and they see the turtle again and they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> you drank from the thing. And that's that's it.
4: There's got to be other animals right? that have actually drank from this spring. I mean, I know he normally covers it with a rock, but like...
2: Also, is that going to work if water's constantly bubbling up out of the spring? Like, isn't this water going to feed other trees and like spread mm-hmm. as it comes up above the groundwater? Yeah.
1: Like so many immortal mosquitoes in the area. Right? Right. <laughs> it's like damn it i can't get it
2: (laughs) (laughs) i've swatted this thing a hundred times immortal bees the mosquito's like i don't even need this blood (laughs) i'm just doing this for fun (laughs) immortal bees yeah all sorts of terrible immortal stuff see this is the stuff that the sequel should exist to delve into
4: so thumbs down
2: thumbs down thumbs down uh this is not worth checking out and i have not but it is fun
1: to debate Sure. Yeah, <laughs> because the book goes into such little detail about anything, so
2: it's all up in the air.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like we can come up with our own theories of how immortality. Hey, works I have I have some
2: questions actually. What are the downsides of being immortal? Because typically in movies, there's one downside. Boredom. No, more boredom is doesn't even make sense as a downside of oh. immortality. the The biggest downside that anyone ever talks about is everyone you know and love right. is going to age and you're not going to but in this case they could all be fine yeah like there's there's maybe 12 people that mm-hmm. i love i well, could give them all this water and they're fine there's
4: like that idea that if anybody finds out about you it, you being that unique person that cannot die that then you're going to be stuck in a cage for the rest of your life mm-hmm. being tested and studied and that's true because
2: you you're not you're not all powerful you're yeah. just immortal right
1: they're going to keep cutting limbs off you to see how many just how many. or they can't
2: even break your skin oh yeah but uh, you're you're right the bigger problem would be that you'd be trapped in a cell but even then like only for as long as humanity exists
1: do they feel pain
2: it doesn't seem like they do no he put
4: his hand in that fire pretty calmly
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) that would be funnier though (laughs) he's a the whole time (laughs) He Why pulls are you out. Doing he's that? like, "You
4: didn't have to do that." <laughs> he's like, you "Is see? he
2: is that is he not immortal? Why did he do that? <laughs>
4: <laughs> Why is he screaming?" <laughs>
2: yeah, no, um, but eventually the cell would rot away, or like they would be transferring you from one place to another, and your family just busts in and and kills everyone. I feel like it's it's amazing that it took until this event for for one of them to murder. Because I feel like any time yeah. that you're getting in some kind of trouble, it's like, all right, well, shoot everyone involved, and we'll move to another town, and that's the end of it.
1: <laughs> it's like, we're going we're gonna to give you an uh, 80-year sentence. Great. <laughs> cool. Give me as many lifetimes as you want. Other, like, trying to think of, like, other I, – I, I, I'm not trying to pad the podcast. I was just yeah, thinking, yeah. thinking out loud. Um. yeah.
2: I don't think anyone's going to get mad at us because we keep coming up with <laughs> new hypotheticals. Uh,
1: well, because uh, I was thinking about the movie The Old Guard.
2: Uh, That's the Charlize Theron Netflix yeah, movie? Yeah, w-
1: which, which was,
2: eh. but She's immortal.
1: Yeah, well, right? her whole her whole team is immortal. Um, but they go into some interesting, horrifying concepts, like like one of their immortal team was considered to be a witch, and so they locked her in a metal casket and then dropped her into the ocean. Okay. A- and And just like... like oh man yeah you'd just be down there until the metal got weak enough for you to escape yeah and and what that would be like how long would that take yeah uh and then uh, i was thinking about the good place and i don't want to spoil anything about the good place because people should watch that show but they do deal with this concept of forever and and what it would be like and what would be bad about it yeah and i i I can't i don't i don't Again, i can't go into spoiling the show
2: well i do think um along the same lines of of you what you're talking about they they could be put in jail yeah and then as much as i want to say oh well that's fine because eventually the jail will fall down and i could walk out the open wall of the place but it's also a situation where uh just because you live forever doesn't mean that time moves any faster for you mm-hmm. like they kind of make jokes that it does in in the film where they're like oh what 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 difference is that what what difference is a decade it's like a sunset for us it's like it's really not it's well, still a decade for you
4: yes and no I mean experiences like that are relative when you're a kid in
2: your memory I think they would be but when relative. you're a kid
4: time time does seem to pass slower because uh, any given you know a day a week a month a year is such a larger percentage of your life
2: right but if you're trapped in a jail cell for for 10 years that's just as unbearable if you're invincible as it is if oh, you're yeah, aging yeah. i would think
4: yeah for sure and so but...
2: you'd probably still go crazy if you were trapped in a in a cell for can a thousand you go years
4: crazy?
2: i don't know yeah that's a good question can you even be sad i mean like <laughs> miles seemed pretty depressed that his family left so damage can be done yeah. it's just psychological damage
4: hmm. okay but I do think you would get bored, like, you know. I don't know why they would eat pancakes all the time. I feel like I'd get over that pretty quick.
2: I, I honestly don't think I would. <laughs> but um, you could watch every movie. You could watch literally every movie.
4: You could, and then what? You know, like. Mm-hmm. Y- y-
2: no, y- and then. That's from a, that's from a movie. <laughs> uh, but you could uh, you could watch them again because you will have forgotten the first ones when you finish the last ones. Can you forget? I think so, because I think the brain is finite. <laughs> um, I don't think you can keep the plot of every movie in your head, so you just start them over. I don't remember stuff I saw you know, yeah, earlier that, in this that podcast. Yeah, but that actually
4: gets into the nature of how we store memories if they're literally stored in an organic matter. Like, is that possible to forget? Is it yeah. possible to remember anything after you've drank the water? It doesn't feel I possible
2: <laughs> for me to forget any movies, but I'm sure it is.
1: Well, because you, know, you get older and your brain will... Start to decay, right. but if you don't age and your brain is forever at the state it is at which you drink the water, right? Can but you even make new memories,
4: yeah. I mean, apparently, they so can.
2: then you could watch the same movie over and over again and be Just like, This movie's hilarious, let's Babylonian watch it again. This movie's hilarious,
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that would work. Every day, he's like, I'm sorry, who are you? I'm Winnie. Cool, who are you? Yeah, it's like fifty-first dates, but <laughs> it lasts for a century. Um, anyway, Letterbox. What are we thinking, Letterboxd wise?
4: Um, I'm good to not watch this movie again, so I don't have it very high. I have it at seventy out of seventy-six. It is below Savage Harvest and above Hard Country.
2: Richard,
1: uh, I have it at fifty-nine. Uh, you loved it. S- still below Ooh. Savage Harvest, <laughs> uh, but above Shi Chong's Nice Dreams. Really? What? Yeah.
2: Um, they're both kind of uh, non-plots. Yeah. Uh, Tuck Everlasting is in seventy-first out of seventy-six for me. Uh, it is just below Hard Country, and it is just above Scream, mm. because I feel like Scream is just barely less of a movie than this was. That's the 1981 Scream, obviously.
4: Yeah, but Hard Country was actually just obnoxious to watch. This one was boring and nonsensical, but Hard Country was annoying.
2: Although Hard Country had actors in it, and this movie did not have actors in it. So let's get into that now, shall we? Sure. (laughs) Our director was Frederick King Keller. This was his first direction. Uh, It was followed with mostly TV work, including 30 episodes of Hey Dude, A Sea Quest, a Nash Bridges, and more recently, six episodes of 24. The novelist was Natalie Babbitt. Uh, the same novel has been adapted into, like I said, the uh, 2002 film and the Broadway musical, but also a 1984 series. Writer Fred A. Keller was the father of the director and also played Angus Tuck in the film. Um, and then the only other actors who I could find credits for were Mark Callan, who doesn't even have a character listed, in the credits. He was a producer on 335 episodes of the Australian soap opera Neighbors. And Timothy Klein played Charlie and he had bit parts in Hide in Plain Sight and The Burning. But nobody else was in anything else. Mm-hmm. And the girl that they got to play Winnie it doesn't make any sense unless they forgot to cast that part and then found her on set. <laughs> because she's like, she's a nothing character. But also the 2002 film has basically the same problem although the cast of the 2002 film uh Alexis Blydell is the lead she's the she's the Winifred but still the Winifred character in the book and in the movies has nothing to do it's just Mm -hmm. she watches the tucks she does what they tell her to do and then the movie's over but in the 2002 film the parents in the tuck house are William Hurt and Sissy Spacek and Ben Kingsley is playing the guy in the yellow suit so it's like they're big names, like Oscar-winning actors playing these parts, but the movie doesn't come together any more coherently there than it does here because it's a bad story, and so yeah. it hurts the movie in a big way. I don't know how they got all those people to sign on. Maybe they were just hard up for work at the time. I think that's everything for Tuck Everlasting. If you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share, you can find all of our socials at vintagevideopodcast.com linktree. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing Private Lessons, our second consecutive inappropriate age difference film, which IMDb describes like so. An immigrant housemaid seduces a 15-year-old boy and later fakes her own death as part of his chauffeur's blackmail plot. Troubles arise when the two start to fall in love. It's the horniest film that we've reviewed on this show, including Caligula and it, it's actually a difficult watch in places uh awesome yeah
4: looking forward to this one we
2: we'll leave you now with the trailer for private lessons meet nicole
0: your typical average housekeeper more or less
4: stay
0: meet lester the chauffeur a man who demands respect green please stay away from the car i just washed. sure and meet Philly, a fast learner, curious, eager to find out things they don't teach in school. Obviously, this kid needs private lessons. Go and close the door. What? I said close the door. Private lesson number one. Learn to work with your hands. My breasts, how do you like them? Oh, Uh, nice. very nice. Would you like to touch them? Touch them? Yes. She takes off all her clothes. Everything. And I mean everything. So then what? What do you mean, so then what? So then I came here to tell you. Are you kidding me? Private lesson number two. You don't have to swim to enjoy water. Would you like to join me? Would I like to what? Take a boss with me. You mean in there with you right now? Mm Mm-hmm. Private lesson number three, tell them what they want to hear. I don't think that you're a a whore or anything like that. It's very sweet of you, Philly. You what? You asked him to marry you? What are you, sick? Don't say a word, my virgin child. Just let your inhibitions run wild. (laughs) Private lesson number four, keep your elbows off the table. Monsieur, wish some dessert? The Napoleon, peut The rum or baba? The mousse or chocolate? The mousse is very nice for you, madame. It is, uh, how you say, something, you know? No, thank you very much. We've had enough. Tonight, tonight, it's gonna be, oh. Boy meets woman is more fun than boy meets girl. But he has a lot more to learn before graduation day. She didn't think she was going to love this assignment. Sylvia Cristal in her sexiest role since Emmanuel. He was much better off in Cincinnati. Howard Hessman, TV's Johnny Fever, gets his own private lesson. What happened to him should happen to you. Eric Brown, the luckiest kid on the block. Your own fantasies come to life in private lessons. With music performed by Rod Stewart, Eric Clapton, and others.